This is the You Winning Life Podcast, your number one source for mastering a positive existence. Each episode, we'll be interviewing exceptional people, giving you empowering insights, and guiding you to extraordinary outcomes. Learn from specialists in the worlds of integrative and natural wellness, spirituality, psychology, and entrepreneurship. So you, too be winning life. Now, here's your host, licensed marriage and family therapist, certified neuro-emotional technique practitioner, and certified entrepreneur coach, Jason Wasser. Today's guest is Julie Arndt, and she's the founder of the Peak Performance Method, which is a unique model combining critical productivity, mindfulness, and leadership tools to help forward-thinking individuals and organizations develop the next workplace superpower through scalable programs. Julie is a stress management trainer, sought after international speaker. She originally hails from Germany and has lived in five countries over the last 14 years, speaks three languages fluently. And after working in Google and Silicon Valley for seven and a half years, while that company grew from 30,000 to 100,000 employees, Julie has been running her own consulting and coaching business, helping over 5,000 employees at innovative companies more understand the effects of stress on the body and the mind, move beyond burnout, and build a mindful lifestyle that delivers focus, high energy, and productivity. So Julie, thank you so much for spending time and hanging out with us today. My pleasure. It's Julia, actually. Julia. Sorry. <laughs> Let me do that over. Sorry. No worries. I don't know why I'm doing that. <laughs> So Julia, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. I'm very excited as well. So we have a lot of overlap in our worlds and you're coming originally from corporate, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. And I came out of this nonprofit informal education world and stumbled into the healing and the therapy. And organically, I knew that when I was working with people and spending my day doing these programs and these events and these right organizations, I was really just doing therapy a lot of the time. So that's how mm-hmm. I evolved into this process and, you know, wandered into the mind body stuff. But I would love the listeners to hear that evolution for you of where you started, where you started seeing the writing on the wall about mm. the stressors and the challenges and things that were going on in the environment you were in and that shift and pivot where you're like, oh, I got to do something about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great question and brings me back to a some interesting times in my life. So I worked for Google for seven and a half years, both in Dublin, Ireland and in Mountain View, California, so in Silicon Valley. And as I moved out here to California, I completely fell in love with Lake Tahoe, um, which was kind of funny because I had never lived in the mountains. Um, I skied a few times when I in my teens, but, you know, was not a big skier or anything. But I came out here and I really loved it. And that was really a pivotal point for me. That's why I'm talking about it, because um, as I was really drawn to um, the nature and being outside and, you know, all of the activities, obviously, that come with that, I started to think about how can I make this work? How can I be, how can I work for a company or how can I make money and at the same time have this different lifestyle and um, this lifestyle that wasn't maybe really fully available um, as I was commuting back and forth between Mountain View and Lake Tahoe which is about a four-hour drive in mm-hmm. each direction and so so it was obviously a journey right at the beginning I bought a house here I bought a condo in Lake Tahoe in 20- 2016 
And at the beginning, I thought I have the best of both worlds. I was like, you know, working um, in Silicon Valley during the week. And then on Thursday nights, I would drive up to my house here in the mountains and then work from home four day Fridays and then just have, you know, the the, the the playground that I wanted to have for the weekend. And I loved it. And I was like, I'm never going to get tired of this. I don't mind the drive at all. <laughs> this is amazing. And then, of course, you know, over time, um, it's, you know, you, you shift your mindset and you shift your perspective on things. And that was the time when I started my first business. So this company that I am running now since three years is actually my third business. Um, so I'm a little bit of a serial entrepreneur, which in hindsight is kind of crazy as well, because I never considered myself an entrepreneur. But then with the circle, with the life circumstances, it all of a sudden seemed super appealing to me to mm -hmm. have that lifestyle. Um, so I started my first business um, it was an Amazon um, business. So I basically um, bought products, created a product and then sold it on Amazon. And it went pretty well, but I wasn't super, super excited about it. It was just kind of a side hustle and it learned me a lot of amazing skills. But I was like, eh, I don't know, that's not how I'm going to make, you know, the amount of money that I make at, at my corporate job and it gives me all the flexibility and freedom that I'm looking for. Um, and so, you know, and then, you know, maybe to highlight. So I was working full time at Google. I was commuting eight hours a week um, to Lake Tahoe and I was running this business. And so I was thinking about, you know, what else can I do? So I started my second business um, and I was doing a lot of education on the side as well. I did a yoga teacher training certification and I did a coaching certification. Um, and before that in Dublin, I had done a lot of um, kind of continuous learning and education as well around physical training. So personal training and also um, sports psychology. Mm -hmm. And uh yeah. And then I was like, oh, it would be so cool because there are so many really rich people here in Lake Tahoe. Maybe um, I should become like a private yoga teacher and go to their homes and sell the products that I was working on because it was in the yoga space as well. And um, and I built that company and was really excited and had a beautiful website and beautiful pictures and everything kind of figured out. And that was in the summer of 2018. So I was running two businesses. <laughs> I was like building two businesses, right? Not really running yet, but building two businesses and having my full-time job. And during that time, I was a global project manager for a really big project um, that I was running across all different time zones and um, all different countries like I was working with a team in India a team in um, um in the Philippines and then also in Europe and Canada so it was kind of all over the place I was up a lot at night to talk to my teams in India and on the Philippines so it was just kind of a crazy life and then obviously chaos. I had my yeah yeah and I know and then I obviously had also my private life here right and so yeah and so in the summer of 2018 I just didn't feel like myself anymore. And there were obviously signs leading up to that, that I ignored at the time. And in hindsight were kind of signals that I was putting a lot of pressure and stress on myself. Um, but in the summer of 2018, kind of everything came together, but I was obviously super exhausted and tired all the time. I usually drove at night. I commuted usually at night because the traffic in the Bay area is really horrible. <laughs> and so I would drive at eight or nine o'clock at night and then get home at 12 o'clock, one o'clock in the morning and had obviously high adrenaline, had difficulty to sleep, um, felt a lot of vertigo. And then during the work week, I would feel super anxious the whole time, um, 
you know, making sure that I get all the work done at work. But then obviously, you know, my mind was kind of in all different kinds of places. And it got to the point in that during that summer that I was starting to have thoughts around wishing I would have an accident and thinking that it would be so much easier (laughs) if I would be sick or if something would happen to me because um, it was just starting to feel too much. And those thoughts were pretty scary. Again, at the beginning, I didn't really pay a lot of attention to it. But then at some point I was like, this is not really normal to feel like this and to think like this. And, um, you know, at the time I was getting a lot in fights with my partner. I took a lot of things super personally all the time no matter if it was with my stakeholders at work or with other people that I that surrounded me no matter what was my friends or my partner and I was just like I'm not really the person anymore who I want to be I'm not showing up as my best self anymore and something needs to change and so I decided to go to the doctor and um, they gave me two questionnaires at the time um, one for depression one for anxiety And that was the most eye-opening moment for me that I had in my life because um, I had to fill out this questionnaire and literally almost every question was answered with, I'm constantly experiencing this. And it was totally normal to me at the time. But then when you have this questionnaire and you're like, this is like, you know, when you say this is always happening to you, that's not a good sign. I was like, oh, wow. Right. This doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. 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 And so the doctor like sat down with me afterwards and she was like, well, she's like, it looks like you're pretty, (laughs) you know, you're pretty stressed and you're pretty anxious. And at that, and that was the first time as well that someone put a word to what I was experiencing because I knew I had really high anxiety, but I didn't know that it was anxiety. And so, yeah, so it was just a super eye-opening moment and something had to change. And so I took a three-month medical leave to really figure it out. It's so powerful. Like what you're sharing is so, so many people, I'm sure who are listening to this and so many people I work with relate to that. And mm-hmm. and I just had a conversation with one of my clients and it was kind of like, if I give more to this relationship, even beyond my exhaustion point, then Mm -hmm. maybe once I give a little bit more, then I'll finally get back what I want. And Mm -hmm. that equation is pretty much what you're sharing about all the different ways that we can do this in our lives. If I give a little bit more to work, if I give a little bit more to this client, if I give a little bit more to this side hustle, to this project, then then the balance will show up. And I think you and I are in alignment about, we know Mm -hmm. through our own experiences, both of our own experiences and both of, you know, our professional background that that's actually not the equation. Yeah, exactly. It's actually yeah. not what's going to happen. Yeah. So what were some of the things that as you started getting into this new stage of putting the pieces in the right order for you in the healthy order and the the right way of wellness, um, mm-hmm. what, what started showing up for you? What did you start implementing mm-hmm. that you're like, oh, do you know what? This feels better. This mm-hmm. actually, I'm able to do this and that and do the self-care. So what were some of that process? What were some of the methods that mm-hmm. you were incorporating? Yeah. Um, the biggest changes I made during that time was my morning routine. It's really powerful. I think when you hear, like I've heard a lot of, you know, coaches and people that I was following online speak about the morning routine beforehand, yeah. but I was always like, ah, yeah. Okay. It's the morning routine, you know? <laughs> and so, morning. Yeah. yeah. 5 a.m. So, club. I I was like, okay, you know, there must be something about the morning routine. So I was really intentional about how did I start my morning routine before um, and how much anxiety did that already create 
you know, the first hour in, in my day. And then, um, yeah, and then I really changed that. So I, I set up kind of a like five steps that I wanted to take care of in the morning. And I was really intentional about not checking my phone during that first hour in the morning. And that made a huge difference. I started journaling um, in the mornings as well. So just writing down a lot of the thoughts that I was having and a lot of maybe the fears, right? Because I, I was experiencing a lot of anxiety because I was in this pivotal time of, I don't really know what's going to happen. Am I going to stay? Am I going to go? Am I going to start my own business for real this time? And not just kind of, you know, with one foot in the door and one foot out. Um, so the morning routine um, was something that I really made this shift pretty quickly too. It took me like two weeks where I was really like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And I set my alarm clock every morning and like woke up at a you know specific time and did, went through these kind of that little sequence for myself. And I was like, wow, I'm feeling really different. Um, and be previously before I kind of got into that burnout, I was a really active and healthy person. I work out five, six times a week, like exercise is my life still is and um it was interesting because i hadn't really even realized that because of the commute and the job and the different you know projects i wasn't really taking care of that anymore so i got back into my routines of going to the gym or you know exercising and being active and spending time with friends and just kind of really that space it was really powerful for me to take that medical leave and i know that not everyone has that you know that advantage to maybe do that and people sometimes ask me can we still do it even though I might not be able to take that long of a time off and I'm like yeah. absolutely you can um I found it really powerful to just create that space because I think I had so many thoughts on my mind and so many things that that I had like some hands you know like some hands and feet in <laughs> um that I was like, I just really need to reconnect to myself and understand what's really important for me and what do I really want to do. And, you know, at the time, you know, my family, my partner, they were like, don't leave Google. Like, it's the best place to work at. You know, what are you going to, what are you doing? Like, why are you, you know, they couldn't really understand what I was going through. They couldn't really understand how much pressure it put on me in terms like from that commuting perspective because I had a couple of almost accidents a few times just you know just because you're driving right. all the time of course it happens and so while I was driving I was so fearful like for four hours I was just sitting in the car with high anxiety and adrenaline trying to focus and you know trying to obviously not get into any hairy situations and that was a lot of stress like every four days I would go through that process of mm. Okay, hopefully. And then the build up to to that. Yeah, yeah, to that too. Yeah, getting into the car and stuff. And obviously we live in the mountains, so in the winter time it would be like, is there a snowstorm coming? at what time do I need to leave in order to still get into Black you know, ice, just like, right? Just Anything like they don't things. Write. Yeah. Yeah. Um what was I saying? Um oh yes, so you know, my family wasn't super supportive of me and my partner either of me leaving <laughs> the corporate world. Um, because you know it's it's a different lifestyle as an entrepreneur it's a it's a lot of responsibility you have to be super self-motivated and I that was tough so that made the decision even a little bit more difficult because you know you don't want to disappoint anyone right. um, but I I got to a to the point where I was like I need to do this for myself I need to take care of myself and I need to do what feels right for me and if it's not going to work out. I can always go back or find another, you know, corporate right. job. Yeah. And that's You're, what I, that story is so relatable. And I hear it day in and day out <clears> of <throat> accommodating 
mm-hmm. other people's expectations mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. And if I don't make them happy, who and what am I? If right, as if our purpose is to be on this planet to make other people happy according to what they want from us versus help making ourselves healthy and happy according mm-hmm. to what serves us. And as I was thinking about the routine, right, that, that morning and whatever it's a, whether it's a morning for someone or it's their evening, whatever it is that they decide right for you, it, it, it turned out to be that morning. I see, I realize that it's the consistency mm-hmm. of that process, no matter what it is, just yep. be consistent yeah. with it. And then some level of accountability. So when, when we're looking for people who are like-minded, right, to get us to that goal, we can't necessarily go to the naysayers. We know they love us. We know they're looking out for us, but they're coming from a place of their own insecurities of mm-hmm. the worst case scenario. I don't want that to happen to you because, right? And I also see it as if they haven't ever reached that level themselves, they're basing it and judging it through their own limitations. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Through that lens. So as I talk to my clients all the time, I'm like, you don't have to go buy and work with a million dollar coach, but you just have to find the people out there. They're on YouTube. They're on podcasts. You don't have to pay for it right off the bat. Right. In -hmm. other words, the resources are out there, but who's already the success in that area that you're looking Mm -hmm. to achieve in go on Google, right? Go on podcasts, whatever you go on YouTube. Um, and see, right. How do I, who's the best at, who's talking about this the most and just start washing and repeating that data, those success stories, those patterns, Absolutely. right? So that, And so then there. not only listening to it, but also starting to uh, make changes in your life and taking action. I think that's the biggest difference. I think we, sure. you know, I, I talk to a lot of people as well and, you know, they know a lot of things. I think we all know a lot of things because we are living in a society where information is just available, right? And mm-hmm. And so many people talk about the same things, um, which is great. And so many people are so well educated. But then the question is always, do you also take action on the things right. that you're listening to? Or the execution to of that process is yeah. the difference between what's that, what's that quote? It's it's um, dreams without uh, so goals without action steps are just dreams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I love that you were talking about, you know, even just podcasts or YouTube videos, because I, I always say the same thing, like surround yourself, you know, they say, you are the five people that you surround yourself with. But Mm -hmm. I think it's not just the people that surround you in your physical, direct space, but also what you listen to and what you watch. And, you know, that can have what you eat that can have such a strong impact on your development as well. So choose wisely, for sure. Yeah. And I think the process that I walk my clients when I had that conversation yesterday with one of my clients, um, and you know, I, I share that and I, Gary V Gary Vaynerchuk talks about that all the time. It's like, you know, the people who are your five people, which other people have talked about, but then he mm-hmm. adds something interesting. He goes, you know, the people that you are surrounding yourself with, the next question to ask is who's not doing it well enough. Who's not the healthiest. Mm-hmm. Who's not the, and if you can't figure out who that is, it's probably you. Mm-hmm. And my client responded to me. They're like, oh, yeah, that's me. I'm mm-hmm. the unhealthiest of my friends group. I'm the un- right. And I'm like, well, that's awesome that you can recognize it and not go defensive. Yeah. And you didn't make excuses about it. You just owned it. That's mm-hmm. the first act, right? That's the thing, right? For you sure. own it. You're you're there. You don't want it to get worse. But, you're, but there was no, now can we eliminate all the excuses and the justifications mm-hmm. for why you got stuck? Mm-hmm. And that's part of that process, right? So I'm wondering, like, when you're working with someone, and I know that you're you're now doing this, like, how do you help them identify their self limitations in this yeah. process? 
it always requires some uh, some level of awareness already, right? People are not going to come to you and work with you if they don't already have that level of awareness that right. something is. Or I won't wrong. even take them. I won't even. <laughs> yeah. I won't even take them on as a client. Yeah, um, you know, sometimes I even talk with friends or with with you know with clients, and they they highlight another person that where they identify. Oh, you know, they they could really work on this. But as long as the person doesn't identify themselves and has some level of awareness that something needs to change and they want to change something, it's almost impossible to, to start that process. But yeah. Um, so I would say, you know, all people that I work with obviously have a level, have a, at least a, a certain level of awareness. And then I really like my work because I do a mix of both. I, I always say, you know, I want my clients and the people that I work with get to their, whatever they want to perform at, right? Like to get to the next promotion or to build their own business and be really successful at that. But at the same time, also be aware of what tools they need to sustain that. Because a lot of the people that I, that have, that, that surrounded me were people that had learned to push their boundaries and had learned to push their limits and work at night and work during the weekends to get all of the things done that they signed up for. And it can be really fun in your 20s to do that. But I think we just we just don't have that awareness oftentimes in our 20s. And I think that changes now. You know, mm -hmm. now I talk to 20-year-olds 20 and they are super aware of mental health. And I'm like, wow, like that's incredible and great, you know. But I don't think that I had that or my, I think like the millennials really had that so people from like 25 to 40 years old and um and so yeah so awareness is the first step um and then once you have that oh sorry I, I was just losing my train of thought a little bit but so what I what I'm really trying to uh, teach my clients is to how to set up systems to uh, manage their time and set boundaries and say no and at the same time also take care of themselves because I think you can't take care of yourself if you don't have time. And that's the biggest problem that my clients have. They don't have time. They they work a lot and they they're super ambitious, which is awesome, but they don't they really don't have time anymore. Um but they're not effectively managing their time. There's usually there people can always improve their time and how they're using it and how to, they're managing their calendars and so on. And so I love to uh, work with clients really on that balance of okay, um, what can you what do you what can you do for yourself and then how can you also achieve all the other things that you have going on yeah. and I think that's um, that's the conversations that I have with my clients when we start to work so even if they come and say I want to work on my career or I want to um, you know work through my burnout um, because I want to get to the next promotion then I'm always like okay but what else what are you also doing on this other side you know so yeah, it is that balance, but we, yeah. I, I, I like that work-life balance, right? In the nineties, two thousands and the last, right. It's, it's kind of fallen out of favor, this idea of work-life <clears throat> balance. Cause it's not really the goal. It's, mm -hmm. it's really knowing, like you just said, what are my priorities? What mm -hmm. do I want to let in? What do I not want exactly. to let in? And how do I make decisions around that? And that's why I always love starting with, you know, people who've listened to my episodes already already know that I'm going to say what I'm about to say is values-based <laughs> decision-making that yeah. it's all about first define your core values and then use that as the doorman to let in or not let in, in every category of your life, whether it's your food, your friends, your relationships, where you invest, all of those different things, whatever you're investing, right? Time, energy, space, money, right? All those things. And if we know that, then we can make it really cleaner and filter out a lot of the chaos because then we don't get stuck in the emotionality. 
yeah. of it. Exactly. And the more stressed you are, the harder it will be for you to filter. <laughs> right. <laughs> Because so, you're more emotionally driven and you'll just, you know, yeah, you don't think clearly anymore. Right. That's the reptilian brain, that survival mm -hmm. instinct. And that goes into the fight or flight process and that's not strategic brain that's reactive brain and and what i've realized over the years the more i go deeper into neurology is that reptilian survival brain doesn't give you a multitude of options it gives you what is it that you need to survive exactly. just for the next near bit of time it's not longitudinal survival it's just getting yourself out of this immediate thing But if our physiology doesn't reset and resolve itself, if we don't have and build that resilience and that emotional healing, that emotional trauma, we're always going to go to that just one little step of variability of only moving a little bit forward. That's mm -hmm. a, that is just lessening the perceived danger, but it's not going into a full strategic, deliberate, sustainable mm -hmm. outcome. And I know one of the things that you love working with is sustainable performance. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I work a lot with, you know, I obviously already mentioned, of course, one-on-one -on -one clients, but I actually don't do that too much. I do more corporate um, workshops and clients work with clients that way because I come from that space. And one of the biggest things that I realized as I was going through my own burnout was that there were tons of amazing resources available once it happened to me, right? There were EMP, yeah. EAP programs or employee assistance programs, like free therapy, obviously medical leaves. There were internal resources about burnout and about depression, anxiety. But up until that point, I had never heard of it. And I was working there for seven years. And... Um, so it's really become just really a new wave. I think now, obviously also with the pandemic and stuff um, that more people are aware of the importance of paying attention to your mental health. And I felt incredibly alone when I went through this process. I felt very, very guilty, right, to take a medical leave because I was thinking, what are people thinking of me? Right. The <laughs> you stigma know? involved. Yeah, in the all stigma. Of it. And I never had really heard of anyone either that had gone through burnout. So so that all, you know, sat with me and obviously I had a lot of time to think about that as, as I was going through my medical leave. And, um, <clears throat> and I was thinking to myself, well, you know, I was starting to look at research as well and data. And I was thinking to myself, well, if so many employees leave companies because they're burned out, um, and even now, even more so, right. They are talking about the grand resignation. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking to myself, why do companies have not have not learned to integrate those programs right from the start and teach employees their amazing amazing employees you know ambitious employees they they have shown that they can work extremely hard but why have they not from the beginning shown how to, con to continuously be able to perform on that level yeah and that that was really that's really kind of where I'm starting to get very excited about. And that's really my, my passion and my mission, because I'm like, that, that needs to happen. I don't understand because it's actually really simple. There are simple tools to, you know, to identify your values and um, identify what's important for you to practice self-care. How are we building routines? How are we managing our time? How do we set boundaries? And when people learn that from the very beginning, when they start in a company, imagine how much how much happier they would be, because they have a, they have that balance in their life where they they work really hard, but then at the same time they know how to take care of themselves, and then obviously are also there to take care of their families or their stakeholders and so on. 
And so, yeah, so I work a lot with um, corporate clients and with corporate teams to basically help them learn these tools. And um, it's a, it's a fantastic, a fantastic job. I, I really love it. I've trained over 7,000 people in the last two years, um, virtually, obviously. Um, and this year we might start to go back a little bit to on-site trainings as well, but it's really powerful because, you know, it's really how do you start shifting your mindset of your clients? Because even today I work with corporate teams and they hire me for a 60 or 90 minute workshop and then they leave, you know, and then that that's it for, for that one year. That's what they are learning in terms of time management or setting boundaries. And I'm like, no, it needs to be more. And so it's been a really interesting process for me to understand how can I really influence that culture and how can I influence the well-being programs internally to make people understand it does it's not just the one of training to kind of tick a box <laughs> right um but to uh, to really um show employees that you really care about their well-being and that you know that if you invest in that on a continuous basis it will have it will pay off so much more right because you have happy employees you have more productive employees and yeah, and that's just more sustainable. And then they will probably stay as well and not leave, right? Because they're not feeling like there's no no other way out than to to just go. And yeah, and I haven't, you know, like I said, I'm still working on this. I, I have a vision, but in order to obviously implement that into the companies, it takes a little bit of time and talking to the right people. Yeah, and I see this left and right. So with any of my corporate, whether it's they started their own business, and it, and it's interesting to see the different levels of like you know small mom and pop shop, right? That you have the family business and they're just hoarding the secret recipe, right? That currently they don't want. If someone else knows that we're selling it with this price, but they all have the same distributors and they all have the same products, but they're like you know they think that someone coming in and leveraging and hiring staff and bringing someone in from the outside that they're going to steal it and open up the business right next door to them. Right. Mm -hmm. That's just like, that's like, that's already a level of stuckness. And then you go into, you know, mm -hmm. the solo people, right. They're just doing their business by themselves or the small groups or the lawyers or, you know, the healing arts practitioners that are trying to do it. And they maybe have a small skeleton team, but it's still, they're doing a lot of the stuff themselves. And I'm sure you're familiar with that whole e-myth model, right? The entrepreneur manager technician. And like you just, when I explain just that theory, to people without them, like, and they're like, oh crap, I'm doing it all. I'm trying to go out and make sales and I'm trying to go out and market and I'm trying to go out and do the, this, the right. I'm also being the barista and making them coffee mm -hmm. and, and it's not a sustainable model. And one of the clients that I'm working with about their side hustle and I'm like, I know what you hate about the reason why you're annoyed about your side hustle. It's not sexy. It doesn't sound sexy to the outside world. It's mm. dirty, it's grimy, it's a lot of work. But that whole entrepreneurship thing over the last couple of years, as you know, right, that everybody's jumped on that. I'm an entrepreneur, I have a business, mm -hmm. I have a, I'm, a, I'm a CEO, right? You know this because you've actually worked in real worlds with real CEOs and everything like that. <laughs> but just because someone opens up a business does not make them the CEO. But I think people are aiming for the sexy, shiny object. And that's the dark side mm -hmm. of this entrepreneurship movement that as opposed to, like you said, building systems building your team, mm -hmm. leveraging out things that you're not an absolute expert at. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and finding the right people to do that. And I, I, I shared this yesterday. And so <laughs> like all the themes kind of roll up into like, you know, mm -hmm. consistency where I'm like, if I send my laundry out 
to somebody because I'm choosing to see a client during that time. I'm living in my purpose. I know I'm making money to pay someone else who at that point in their life developmentally is doing their purpose because mm-hmm. they can't do the therapy for someone else right now. So where they're at is, and I'm taking away from them being able to do what they need to do. If mm-hmm. I don't leverage them in that time frame while I'm doing what I'm best at. Yeah, I love to think like that. Yeah, that's really powerful. You know, I uh, I have a YouTube channel and I <laughs> the first year and I, I have a podcast too. So the first year and I'm very I'm very consistent and disciplined. So the first year was like, you know, I'm gonna record a video every week. I'm gonna do a podcast every week. And I I produced everything myself too for the first year. And after a year, I was like, wow, this is like a full time job. And it is. And I'm doing the corporate workshops and I do the one on one coaching and. I do all these other things Chaos, with right? development. Yeah. And so it's like, no, that's absolutely not sustainable for myself. Right. And that's what I'm trying to preach to people, right. To create, um, to create more systems in their lives in order to set them up for success. So for two years now, I've been working with a production team for my YouTube channel and for my podcast. And it's like game changer, it's right? Day. Yeah. yeah. Um, because yeah, I think I, I probably save like two days a week, um, not having to do that production and it's way better and, uh, <laughs> and right. way better job at what, what I did because I had no idea what I was doing and it's it's powerful because I think there I think it's actually beneficial to do it at some point for yourself right yeah, yeah. because then you have that experience and you, you can have very different conversations and you know what's possible and so on um, but then it's also really um, freeing to to give that to hand that over to somebody else. Right. When you were talking about your teams before in the Philippines and this place and that place, but that's what it is. Like if we're, you know, and we don't even have to have a business, right? If you're listening to this, you don't own a business, you're working somewhere, you're working, yeah. you're an intrapreneur, right? You're helping a business grow. You can still find ways in your life to bring this into your life of, right? how do you leverage time for money, for freedom, for peace, for tranquility and all those things. And years ago I would think about like, how can people have come in and they have these like live-ins and they're doing the cooking and the clean and all this stuff. And it's like, you know, I didn't see it cause my price point of my money mindset was so poor. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause I didn't see the leverage mindset. I didn't mm-hmm. see the, I can do this at this price point, have way more fun than going and doing my dishes and cooking. Mm-hmm. And we can find, right, or working with a personal trainer or having one of those meal companies for, right, if you really figure out, like, people don't sit down and they don't do the numbers. How much time is it taking you to go grocery shopping right there, right, a week Mm -hmm. if you're not doing, even if you're doing Instacart (laughs) or whatever. But if you're going to to Whole Foods or Sam's Club or BJ's or public, whatever, you know, whatever you have out there and, you know, Sprouts (laughs) or Trader Joe's, right, you still got to get there. You still got to find the stuff. You still have to pay for it. You still have to check out. You have to put it in your car, bring it up to your place. So Mm -hmm. that could be an hour and a half process. Mm Mm-hmm. But for that hour and a half, if you are working on a high value activity that you can make either more quality time with the people you want to be with, spend the mm-hmm. time in the gym, we have to figure out what that dollar cost benefit yeah. analysis is. For and sure. a lot of times it's sometimes negligible, especially with the food prep I'm finding yeah. that it might be a little bit more. So if that's one thing, like I want to eat healthier, great. Let's find mm-hmm. a simplistic way to solve that problem. Yeah. And you know, and I'm, as you're talking about this, I'm also thinking, you know, there's probably still a million things that I could outsource and, you know, leverage other people's help. And that, and that, that's a process in itself too, right? Like just mm-hmm. start with one thing, just yeah. start yeah. with thinking about what is one thing that 
you've been maybe trying over and over and over again to make work, but it's hard to make work. So find a a solution for that and just start with that, you know, because then obviously you will grow and develop and evolve. And then you can, you know, see maybe another gap um, that's missing in order to, to get to that next level. But, you know, we, we, you always want to just want, want to focus on one step at a time and, yeah, I think that's yeah, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a job. It's like right, flipping something on offer up or Craigslist, right? It doesn't have to be that you have to go out and do something. It might be something you already have that you need to get rid of. Someone else, right? Was it someone else? Someone's trash is someone's treasure. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, I need five hundred bucks. Okay, so what aren't you using anymore? What clothing do you have in your closet? What I sold a pair of hiking boots that I bought fourteen years ago in Boulder, Colorado. Great quality, but someone needed them on a last minute. I had them on offer up for six months. 50 bucks mm-hmm. someone last minute bought them you know because they needed it for the next day for a trip and they didn't have to... cool so there's 50 bucks that it's it's we have so many ways of if we find and see everything as a possibility versus why we can't our mm-hmm. mindset around that's oh, gonna 100 uh, yeah. percent. yeah that's re- very resonates with me it's funny you say that because when i do my time management workshops for example <clears throat> i always have these like one or two participants that are like but that doesn't really work like this. And, you know, like they just find reasons why mm-hmm. the systems that I'm introducing to them are not working. And it's, it's, oh, I really love them. <laughs> I love, I love these people actually, because they are, they're super attentive. Like they, they actually do want to learn something, but they're very, you know, they're still in a very different mindset. And mm-hmm. so um, I actually did a YouTube video about that um, a few weeks ago, where it was like the secret to time management is, to find reasons why it works and not why it doesn't work, right? Because it's so much easier to say, oh, no, <laughs> I, yeah. I can't, like, for me, that doesn't work, you know, instead of saying, okay, what is maybe one little thing that that could work for me? You know, it doesn't, you don't have to uh, uh, take everything that I'm saying and apply it to your life. I understand that, you know, every, every person's life is different and um, you need to find that flexibility, but I'm sure there's something you can try out and see if that works, you know? Or you can listen to someone, then you're like, oh, I don't like their personality style, but is there one thing that you can mm-hmm. benefit from? Because right, what's the, the expression is the clock is right at least twice a day. So, mm-hmm. you know, just because someone might have, oh, I don't like their style, I don't like they're talking about this version of politics, but they might also have some other, you know, and that's where our world is so polarized now. They're like, I can't mm-hmm. get any value or I can't connect to that person or that person is like, they shouldn't even be doing what they're doing, but, but they are. They are doing it. And if you found it, that means they're doing something right if it's showing up in front of you. So maybe there is something you can take away from it. You can leave the rest or the rest in the garbage. Or if you're in California, compost it. But right. (laughs) So um, but there always can be something. And if it irks you so badly, then that's really more about you than it is about them. So Mm -hmm. go do that work and figure out what the hell is going on. Exactly. Why is it so so repulsive to you? And, And I think that that's really just finding that simplicity of being more open-minded and finding just the reasons again, like you said, like I always ask my clients like, okay, so I just heard you give me five excuses on why you can't. Mm-hmm. So tell me one, like you just said, tell me one about how it could be mm-hmm. possible. And even just highlighting that is such a powerful thing to do, right? Because people don't yeah. realize that that's what they're doing. Yeah. I remember I worked with a, a therapist once and um, every few minutes she would get up and she had a home office and she had this really 
insanely large whiteboard on the wall right the marker whiteboard wow. it was massive i was so jealous of it it was like 20 feet long wow uh, she was she was a university professor so i guess she like co-opted it through the you know uh yeah. through the through that and it went on her it was on her wall in her home office and every few minutes she would get up and she would write oh like she would just do a hash mark like a line on mm-hmm. the thing and then when it got to five right it would be that right like the hash marks with the five and moving on to the next set so at the end of the session she goes do you know why i did that or what, you know, what was happening when I went up to do that? And I'm like, no, she goes, that was every time in our last hour conversation that you said, yes, but. Mm. And I think it was like wow. 17 times. Wow. Yes, but. And the idea of everything's going to be amazing. Everything's going to be great, but this can go wrong neurologically, mm. right? That's a neurological limiter, right? Anything that came before the but no longer appears. It's as if it never was spoken or, or, or identified. Mm-hmm. And the, mm-hmm. and the focus is now going to be on the negative. And our brain we know is four times as likely to focus on negative than positive. And that's why we have mm-hmm. to train ourselves with all this mindfulness mm-hmm. and positivity and neurology. But for me to see that was like mind blowing of like, Oh wow. my God, I'm so Listen. stuck <clears throat> in that script. Mm-hmm. And I want people out there who are listening, check yourself on this. Just catch your yes butts. Don't do anything. It's like that old clicker if you grew up in the United States and you went to the roller skating <laughs> ring in the 80s and they walked in the door and they hit the clicker to see how many people were at capacity, right? Or mm-hmm. the concerts back in there. I'm sure they did that all in other places. They did, they did that right. all over the world. Okay. All right. <laughs> <Just Yeah. laughs> I'm from Germany, context. so, it's, right. you know, we're, we're yeah. pretty uh, technologically right. impressed. <laughs> right. But I just had these 1980s roller skating rink memories as a kid and going to camp. And, um, right. But if we just keep track, of that don't try to change it yet just keep track of how many times just catch yourself mm-hmm. before you try to change it yeah right you'll see in how many different ways whether it's a wording or a script or we we give away our stuckness mm-hmm. in how we engage the world if only we were able to see it and catch it and that's where experts expert professionals like you and i come in for sure that's what exactly what i was just thinking because Sometimes we don't know. Sometimes we need that external person that shows us. And I just started working with a business coach and I had a session with her for two hours a few weeks ago. And I was like, wow, you know, you think you know it all (laughs) because we do always think we know it all at the point in time where we are at. Right. Uh And then you talk to another person that has such a different perspective on your business. You're like, it totally blew my mind away. I was so grateful. And I was like, this is what I'm telling my clients all the time that, you know, you just need an, an external person, no matter who it is that you connect with, no matter if it's a therapist or a coach or a mentor or a healer, you know, whatever resonates with you. But the power of them, you know, showing you your blind spots is yeah. priceless yeah. as well. Like I'm always like, there's no price on on healing or no price on on like discovering these things. I've had a lot of conversations with friends over the last two years that were thinking about hiring a coach and, you know, we're a little afraid of investing mm-hmm. the money. And I, and I said to them, you'll, you will never regret paying that money because it is, there's no price on your development and on your healing or on your, your health. Sanity. And, yeah, yeah. Your sanity. Wow. Yeah. Super powerful. And I've always have friends that come back to me afterwards and are like, you were so right. I'm so glad that I did this. Like the, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's really, it's so powerful. And well, you can't see your picture when you're in the frame. Yeah. 
right? You can't know whether you're that you're a Monet or a Picasso <laughs> when you're in the frame and you're not you're looking out from a different vantage point. Mm -hmm. And I love that metaphor of like, you know, the the side view and whatever is that I always talk about with my clients, like you might have your lights on, but I can help you put on your high beams, I can help be your side view mirror, I can help be the rear view mirror. Mm -hmm. Or we can just jump in a helicopter or a plane. Mm -hmm. You don't need to drive there. Mm -hmm. And that, right, that whole shift of the way I've been doing it, if I keep doing it over and over again, that same way with that same data, you're only going to get a different outcome. Even if you point your direction, your wheel into a different direction, you're still using the same old tools, which will lead yeah. you to the same old exactly. outcomes. Yeah. You're using the tools that got you there, but what are mm -hmm. you going to do to get you to the next level? Yeah. 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 You don't want, when people, I'm sure you have this all the time where they're like, well, I just want to get back to, I just mm -hmm. kind of want to get back to where I was <clears> then. <throat> no, you don't. Cause that's partially what led you here. Now you may have been doing a lot of amazing and empowering things then, mm -hmm. but now we want to amplify that. But if you want to get back there, no, mm -hmm. I'm not going to let, that's just going back to, but that's what, why do you think that's going to get you a different outcome? Yeah. Yeah, really yeah. So I want to have people, right? If you've loved this conversation, I've loved this conversation. So I'm only going to assume I'm going to be make be blasphemous and speak for everybody who's listening. If you want more of this, which you probably do, right? And then there's so many different things that we didn't even get into all the different tools to start managing your stress, right? All the things that, you know, one of the things that Julie and I were talking about before is like, I want to talk about things that you don't talk about on other podcasts because mm -hmm. the whole thing is. Go hear that. Go listen to her or my other any of my other guests on other platforms where you're going to get that, that. right? Yeah. Right. So, right, which is a good excuse for them if they got any value in this is to now find your podcast, which yeah. is called Stressed. Ah, there you go. <laughs> the Stressed Podcast <laughs> and Stressed with a D at the end, so it's just S T R E double -S, S D instead of the E D. So the Stressed oh. Podcast. Beautiful. And also they can find you online as well on Instagram, right? It's, it's Julia Arndt, A-R-N-D-T coaching, mm -hmm. J-U-L-I-A-R-N-D-T coaching. And it's very similar on your YouTube and your, yeah. uh, and Facebook, those are the main things. And you got your LinkedIn as well, but obviously they can, I'm assuming reach out to you and find you there if Absolutely. they have any questions and want to hear more. And obviously yeah. y'all know how to find me and, and like <laughs> always, right. The cost of admission. I, I stole this line from Andy Frisella, who's big in the entrepreneur. He's like one of the top entrepreneurs. He's like the cost. I don't do advertising. The cost of admission is if you've liked this podcast and you think you or anybody else can get value on it, please share it and yes. leave us a review. And so I really want people to, you know, if there's anything that they've heard on this or any other episodes, just do that. Just share it out. Just, just bring, you know, bring value to someone else. So Julia, man, we're going to do this again. I have, I've, oh, I want to do this because I want to do deep dives more into the difference of, you know, okay, so now you're doing this. Now you're in this entrepreneur mm -hmm. space and now you want to bring this to your team. You want to mm -hmm. be the person that you struggle with this like you are. And now you're bringing this to other people. But what if you're the business owner? What happens mm -hmm. if you're the owner of a corporation or a CEO or you have any decision-making power? How do you start implementing this in your culture? And I'm already inviting you back to have that conversation. Right. With I would me. love to. Yeah, it would be my pleasure. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the You Winning Life podcast. If you are ready to minimize your personal and professional struggles and maximize your potential, we would love it if you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at You Winning Life.